You know, it's always pleasant to be able to come into a, an assembly like this when it's a beautiful day outside and uh, you recognize how easy it is to get here on days that are a little more challenging. It uh, presents a little more difficulty, but you know, it really wasn't bad today as the wind lightened, it, the sun is out, the, the uh, haze is disappearing, uh, it's beginning to warm a bit. So for a January day, it's really not bad. And so I'm glad that you made the effort, took the opportunity to be here. I know we've got a lot of challenges around us and, and so forth, but I, that, so that makes it even more so in my thoughts that you would be here today is a very special thing. The eighth chapter of John is a very special one. It begins with the idea of Jesus teaching there and a uh, and, and some difficulties that he, he faces in dealing with, with people and the way they, they look at him. A woman brought to him that is accused, they say caught in the act of adultery. I guess they found her with another man other than her husband. And so uh, it's brought to him for judgment. And of course one of the great statements in the Bible is there about casting stones and and follow up, but there's a lot of discussion in this chapter, and I think it culminates. It culminates in Jesus making an identification about truth. And so today we talk about when it's the truth, what do you do with it? When you recognize it's truth, what do you do with it? And that's what it comes down to today. When we recognize that we have the truth, what in the world are we going to do with it? Look at verses 31 and 32 of John chapter 8. It said, then Jesus... Verse 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now listen to this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Wasn't that much later when Jesus was in front of Pilate, and Pilate asked him the question, what is truth? I think Pilate was identifying something that's very common to most of us. Because he understood the human concept of truth. Because the human concept of truth is basically what you think about it. Now we know that in many cases something that we might say is true is not the absolute truth. In fact, there were things in, in math that we, we use and we operate using them on a regular basis and, and consistently. But you know... Even in higher math, we have formulas that we trust to help us use and find solutions and conclusions, and we refer to them as theorems, theorems of math, because we cannot measure them in every aspect of mathematics. Now, somebody who's better in math than, than me may correct me on this later, but I think basically the idea, if you can't test it in every circumstance and know that in every circumstance it's going to be that way, then we'll have to call it a theorem rather than calling it a fact or a law of math. But anyway, leaving that all aside, where we don't have absolute conclusions, where we cannot test it in every circumstance, we still may say something is true, but um, we recognize we don't always have the ability to determine an absolute conclusion in an ever-developing or a moving situation. Consider this. Maybe another aspect of this. When I was in science class in elementary school, and that's actually the kindergarten building that I attended, they tore it down later. I don't know why, but they tore it down later. Actually, that, I tried to find a, a picture of my old elementary school, which they tore down several years ago. Kendall Elementary School in Tulsa. You can blame them for that. Anyway, 
But that, that, was actually, that is actually a picture of the kindergarten building where Mrs. Quast and Miss Comstock uh, began my formal education. Anyway, back to this. When I was in science class in elementary, and I wish I had a picture of the teacher and so forth, I was taught by Mrs. Graber that uh, the earth was the third planet from the sun. Third planet from the sun. And it is among the nine planets of, the sol- of our solar system and that there were eight other planets in this solar system, so nine planets total in that solar system. But since that time, in more modern days, I have been told that Pluto, Pluto, and that's not just the name of a cartoon dog, that Pluto is not necessarily the ninth planet. Well, why would they come up with that? Where we thought it was the ninth planet for so long. Then they came back later and said it was. Then still some say it was. I don't know. I I'm not really going to worry about it today, but this is my point in this. I think Mrs. Graber was probably right to teach it in the way she did because that's what we knew. But is it absolute? I don't know. I don't know. Shouldn't an elementary science teacher have all the answers to everything about science? Not necessarily. Which made me think, I saw an interesting article in the, or advertisement in the newspaper this morning as I glanced through it briefly. It said, if you don't have answers, you can go to, now, please, this is no slam on any particular group. You can go orange to Oklahoma State University. So you fans of that, you can think, but say, we have the answers. And I thought, no, you don't. Nothing against the institution in that regard. But is that where we want to go with all our answers to the higher levels of education? Got some answers, good things. I have no problem with higher education. I believe in it, a product of it. That doesn't say much about it. But still, I believe in higher education and those who advance their well beyond that. But do we think that our universities in our country have all the answers to everything? No. Do they have the absolutes? Can they tell us the absolute truth in every, every question that we've got in mind? No. No. So I thought it was kind of an interesting advertisement in the paper, but I kind of take things in an odd direction sometimes, so we'll leave that at that. So I don't know whether Pluto is the ninth planet or not. Absolutely. It really doesn't make that much difference to me. There are many other matters which we have trouble determining absolute truth, you know, and we can even leave out who really shot JFK. But one of the things I learned in one of the economics classes, the one economics class I took in college, which helped me determine I didn't want to take any more economics classes, that I took in college was that the economics of a country such as the one in which we live are very difficult. And you think you can fix it by adjusting this over here. And if we adjust this, well, wait a minute, then that bothers this over here. And then that bothers this over here. And then we've got a problem with this over here. And and I'm thinking, it's very complex in a country like ours. Taxes are necessary, but what at some point they even become counterproductive. Got that from Trey's class this morning. So when we talk about truth, It is our reaction to what we believe to be truth, which I want to turn our attention to today. When we believe that a message is true, how do we respond to it? While the content of the message may vary, 
the exact actions, in its exact actions, I think it is the common demand of some response that carries the similarity or the, the norm to it. Our reaction to someone yelling fire in a building will differ from someone announcing that a baby has just been born. Still, if we believe it to be true, in each case there is a genuine reaction. My simple point is this, if we believe a statement to be true, we react in some way or another. Back to what Jesus said. Jesus has made a definite statement about truth. Not only here, but in a few other places. If you go to the 14th chapter of John later, he says, I am the truth. But he makes a very definite statement about truth here, and he says, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Notice that. You shall know. You shall know. But you know, if we think about that, knowing and wanting to know something can be really very different. We may know the truth, but we may want to dismiss it or kind of push it out of our knowledge for a little while. I remember a song that's the song for adulterers by Sammy J. Cole. Tell me a lie. Basically, tell me you're not a married man. Take off the wedding ring and so forth. are found in the words of the song. Pretend that it's not so. I think we do that sometimes to avoid having to accept that something is true. Paul dealt with it in writing to the church and the Galatian churches. When he wrote to him, says, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They didn't want to believe what he had to say, and so hesitated at that, and so I become an enemy to you. As he writes to Timothy in the latter stages of his ministry, he writes to Timothy, and he said, people won't always listen to the truth. The time will come when they will not endure sound teaching, he tells them in 2 Timothy 4. So think about this for a moment, and think about your answer to this one. Do you want to hear the good news? Or the bad news? How do you answer that? What do you say? Do you immediately say, let's hear the good news? Sometimes we say, well, let's get the bad news out of the way because I want to hear the good news. That's what I want to hold on to. Typically, we want to hear the good news. We tend to want to hear what we want to hear, what is pleasing to us, what we feel like benefits us. Many of those who heard and acknowledged Jesus were already inclined to hear him and some inclined not to hear him. I think about some of those initial followers of Jesus. Somebody like Andrew who goes to his brother and says, we found him. We found him. Philip who goes and finds Nathaniel and says, we've got the guy we've been looking for right here. He was inclined to believe Jesus already. But there were those who were not so inclined to believe what Jesus had to say. And so that preparatory idea was out there. Many of those who heard and acknowledged were inclined or disinclined, and that shaped how they were going to see what Jesus had to say and how true they believed his words really were. But even if we don't believe, it doesn't mean we don't know. He says, you shall know the truth. And knowing the truth doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do what you're supposed to do. People, especially the religious leaders in the time of Jesus, knew the scriptures They knew what the scriptures had to say. They knew when it was quoted right, and they knew when it was quoted wrong. And they still quite often didn't listen to what he had to say. Are we very different today? I don't really think so. 
Or we might take, for example, a fellow by the name of Nicodemus. You read that in John 3. You remember he came to Jesus by night, if you've read that story? Nicodemus came to him. Nicodemus immediately comes to Jesus and says, we know that you're from God. Or you couldn't do what you're doing. Huh. And so Jesus begins to instruct him. He says, you must be born again. He says, Nicodemus says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can a fellow, can an old man, I don't know who he had in mind, can an old man go back and be born, go back to his mother's womb and be born all over again? It seemed to be an impossibility. So he's struggling with what Jesus has to say here. Even as he talks about water and spirit, Nicodemus is struggling with this. He doesn't really comprehend what it is that Jesus is trying to get across. He struggled with believing what Jesus had to say. Jesus even had to say, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? It's a struggle. But the general concept was they knew the scriptures, but they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say, those religious elite. In fact, the high priest even says, it's better that this guy die than we lose our nation in that regard. But it doesn't take away the fact that the truth is there to believe, to be believed. It's not hidden. It's not something that is, that is hidden and taken away, something that's prevented from you knowing. In John 18, when the mob came to get Jesus by night, he says, I've been out there every day telling you things. Why didn't you come then? You could have come any day and gotten me. I was right there. People know what I've been saying all over the place. And don't think it's too difficult either. Paul was very plain when he wrote and said, it's not about the wisest people, but it's the common people who are hearing and understanding what's being said. It's not the wisdom of this world that is making people know this. We don't need to think of God's Word as something difficult to understand. I often think about the occasion many years ago sitting in the house of a man who was many years my senior, and we were studying a little Bible together as he was trying to, trying to educate me in his particular idea on something. Anyway, we had Bibles laying open on the table, and we're talking about something, and a young saleswoman came by selling some insurance or something like that on that occasion, and she came by, and uh, she wanted to talk to the gentleman in the house, and she saw us studying the Bible, and as we were sitting there with our Bibles open, she looked down and she said, you know, that's really confusing. And I thought, well, it's only confusing if you want it to be confusing. God's Word is not that confusing. I thought about her and what she was trying to trying to sell on this occasion, if you're talking about uh, insurance and insurance rates and what you need and what's going to be covered and what's not going to be covered under, tell me which one's more confusing to the average person. I think that was a pretty easy answer. But it's, it's been straightforward. It's not been hidden from the very beginning. The truth has always been right in front of us. Remember when God confronted Cain after their sacrifices and and Abel's had been accepted and his had not. Go back to Genesis 4. Abel's was accepted. Cain's was not. Cain was angry about it. And the Lord said, Cain, why are you so downcast? Why are you so upset? Notice what he says. If you do well, will you not be accepted? You know what that infers? 
Cain knew what to do. He knew the right thing to do. He knew what he needed to do. If you do well, it's there. It's available for you. You know how to do it. You can do this. So you shall know the truth. Jesus is not saying there's going to be something hidden here, something you've got to delve into, and you're never going to get to the bottom of it. You can know the truth. And let me give you another side to this. We can handle the truth. We can handle the truth. Well, now let's add in there, though, where we are. Because I believe we have grown accustomed to partial truth. I know partial truth is that's, that's kind of an oxymoron, if you will. I started to explain that differently, but you get the idea. We've grown accustomed to something having a, a little bit of truth in it, but maybe not everything about it is true. Maybe we are acting a little bit like young children. Little children who are only given a part of the matter with the promise that they will understand later on. If you've ever been a parent of small children, you know what I'm saying. They have questions. You say, well, let me explain it to you this way. And you give them a partial answer because you know that they can't comprehend everything they need to comprehend at that point. So, you're going to understand more later. And now, yes, there is a reality to that. There are things that we may not fully comprehend or understand even about what is true. And Jesus addressed that idea and knew his apostles were needed the truth to preach to the world. But he said, you will be guided into all truth. They had a, a special thing, John 16. The Spirit will guide you into all truth. What we have in their case is the Scriptures. We have the very plain Scriptures who lay it out for us. If we're willing, the truth is there to be seen. Still we sing, farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. I think there is a certain misnomer in that song, that we've just got to accept that all we've got is part of the truth, and we, we are not going to know everything that we need to know today. Are there things we don't know? Sure. But are the things that we need to know, are they available? Yes, very much so. We may not understand everything but at the same time, we don't need to look to half-truths and fairy tales. We are not children, and we need to desire the truth and settle for nothing less. You shall know the truth, and we can handle the truth. That's why, that's why in Proverbs, we find it very straightforward. I know it says Psalm up there, Psalms up there, where it says, buy the truth and sell it not. I don't know who typed Psalms on there, but it's Proverbs 23, 23. Know its value. For at the heart, we know the truth. And when we can set aside, as offensive as this may seem, when we can set aside our preferences and our prejudices, we know that the truth is what proves itself in what and by how it provides. It is a lot like wisdom. Truth is truly justified by what it produces. As Jesus says of wisdom by her children, by what results from her. So let me leave you with these, these thoughts then. We want truth in our lives and we want it effectively in our lives. And for truth to be effective in our lives, for us to use it, 
We know the truth, and for it to make us free, number one, we must abide in his word. That means we got to live in it, not just have it around, not just sitting on the coffee table, not something you just pick up and read every now and then, not just to be a daily Bible, but when we abide in his word, that means we're living his word in our lives. It becomes the values by which we determine who and what we are and the choices we make in our lives. When we abide in his word... It means we live under the rules of that house. You know, when my children were growing up, they may not have liked everything in the house, but as, an, as the parent, the adult parent in the house, one of the adult parents in the house, maybe there was one who was more mature than me, but uh, I felt it was necessary, as any parent does, to have certain restrictions and rules in the house. They may not have been the same rules in other people's houses, but they were the rules of our house. Some of them were spoken. Some of them were plain. Some of them were just understood. But if you were to abide in that house, we live by those understandings. That's the way it is in God's Word. We abide in His Word. Secondly, we conduct ourselves as disciples. That means a learner. We haven't got it all. We haven't gotten it all. Just because we got some of it doesn't mean we've got it all understood and applied in our lives. As disciples, that means we're learning and learning as we go. We are people who are on the job learning as we move. I don't know how you are in your, your life, your marriage, your career, your parenting, your, your, what, whatever it is that you've got going in your life at this time or had going in your life. I believe, and I think you will agree with me, that we all learn in the processes as we go. And that's what it means to be a disciple. I'm learning and always open to learn more as I go. Thirdly, we are to walk with confidence. I almost put swagger down there, but I decided that wasn't wasn't correct. No, we're to walk with confidence. We're to step forward because our confidence is not just in ourselves. But our confidence is in the one who leads us. Yes, we have confidence that we can follow. But we are, our confidence lies in the one who leads us. You shall know the truth. It's not just us, but it is the truth we depend on. It is about him and him being the truth. Then we can walk with confidence. As John would later write, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ does what? It cleanses us from sin. You don't necessarily see it in a physical way, but you understand it in a spiritual, recognizable way in your life. We walk with confidence. And then number four, we, are, we must see ourselves as people who are free, free people. Understand, we have our, still our minds. We still make our choices. We can obey or not obey. We can do or not do. We can know or not know. That's really up to us. And when I say we see ourselves as free people, we are not oppressed by God or by his word, but we are determinedly on our own to draw from him and to respond to him on our own. No one's going to make us. No one's going to force us. We can do as we choose in this life. And so we see ourselves as free people and understand I'm doing what I believe and I want to do in my life. So I'll leave you with a couple of thoughts here in this regard. One is a question, but the other is a statement from an old friend that was, well, he had some mental problems, but the one thing that he would say to me that I, I always liked 
There's one he said he quoted from his mother when he said, it ain't the doing of the thing, it's the getting at it. Maybe that's close to what Stephen King put down for his, his little story. But it ain't the doing of the thing, it's the getting at it. And you'll notice in your life, sometimes we know exactly what we need to do. It's just we don't make ourselves get it done always. I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with that one. But sometimes it's just the getting at it. So when it is the truth, my friends, the only question that remains, when you know it to be true, the only question that remains, and it's a very personal one, you know, is that question that asks, what are you going to do with it? Because that's your question. You can look at the group around you, you can look at others, and you can see what others have done, but it really gets down to the question, when I know the truth, what am I going to do with it? I think that's a pretty good question. As Bill says, we're still early in the year. It's a good question for now. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And later he said, what? I am the truth. This morning we'll sing that song of encouragement. Maybe there's someone who needs to respond this very day. If you do, let us encourage you and assist you in doing so. The opportunity is yours and the blessing is ours to share it with you. If you need to respond today, let this be your privilege and your opportunity at Christ's invitation to come while we stand, while we sing together.